Lord is doing supernatural things in the earth. And yes, the devil is stirred up and doesn't like it. And yes, the devil's trying to do supernatural things in the earth, and we don't deny that. But what we do understand, if you concentrate too much on the bad, if you tr- concentrate too much on the evil, if you concentrate too much on the doom and gloom, it will be, uh, won't be long until you get depressed, right. until you get down and out, yeah. Yeah. until you get to believing that the Bible may not even work for you. What you focus on the most is what you're going to be looking at the most, believing the most, and saying the most. And I have caught myself. I know you don't have to catch yourself probably, but I have to catch myself of focusing on the wrong things and even saying the wrong things, you know, about situations and circumstances instead of saying what the Bible says. You know, Dr. Kennedy Hagin taught me this. He said, anytime any circumstance or situation arises, the first question you should ask yourself is, what does the Word say? What does the Bible say? Because that's what I should be thinking about, meditating on. And again, we don't deny that Satan is trying to do his best. In fact, the Antichrist spirit is probably at an all-time high as far as I know that it's probably ever been in this nation before and the enemy is trying to thwart the plan of God. But how many of us know that the enemy never wins and God is always a hundred miles ahead of the devil? When Jesus Christ was crucified on the cross and darkness covered the land or that area and region, it looked like it was all over. It looked like there was no hope. But guess what? Three days later, the angel came down from heaven and rolled away the stone and Jesus Christ came out. Amen. Thank God. Amen. And that, so when all hopes seemed lost and it seemed like the devil had won, actually it had only just begun. And a lot of times when it seems like the devil has, is winning, it's only that God is just beginning to work his plan. And God is working a plan today, and I have to encourage myself along this way. In fact, my mind sometimes, can I tell, you, tell on myself? People like for me to tell on me, they don't want me to tell on them. So tell on myself, sometimes my mind can't hardly agree with that. My mind says the situation is far beyond repair. There is no hope, but in my spirit, the spirit of God says, yes, there is. It's not over yet. So what I have to do is correct my thinking to line up with the word of God. And I believe that all of us deal with these challenges today. In fact, I think one of the greatest challenges that the church world as a whole today is facing. Are you ready for this? It's talking about the minister's talking about the fivefold ministry, down to the ministry of helps, to, to the Christian, you know, that, that's born again. The greatest challenge that the Christian world is facing is in the mental realm. Satan has no inroad into your spirit unless he get, gains access through your head. So the mental realm, that's where people are dealing with it. Thoughts, all kinds of things coming against us. The enemy's trying to do his best to infiltrate the Christian life through thoughts and situations and circumstances. But thank God the Bible already has given us the answer and shown us what to do. Turn back to Ephesians chapter 6. I think I might have read that yesterday. Did I? Did anybody recall? I did. Read that. Ephesians chapter 6. 
And we're going to take Ephesians chapter 6 and read it as a text again today because as I was just praying and meditating this morning, I believe the Lord began to share some things with me in my spirit that I needed to share along these lines. And, and I'm not sharing something that's not biblical or brand new. It's just something that, that we, I believe, I put it like this. I don't believe the body of Christ has the grasp or depth of understanding in this area we're about to discuss that they should have. Because if they did, things would be different in the church world. But uh, this is what I want to talk about this morning. By direction, I believe, of the Holy Ghost. I'm human, can miss it just like anybody else. Don't claim to to know it all. By the direction of the Holy Ghost, this is what I'm going to talk about. Be aware of the spiritual realm. Be aware of the spiritual realm or the spiritual world. Most people, and again, I'm not attacking anybody because I don't know everything either, but it seems like that the last thing that we think about is the spirit world. And is there a spirit world? Is this physical world influenced by the spiritual world? And if it is, how is it influenced? Well, we know to be true, if you look at the Bible, that there is a spiritual world. And that spiritual world is endeavoring to influence the physical material world. In fact, I'll go a step further. Every human being on this planet is being influenced right this second by the spiritual realm to some degree. Now, the degree that that person is influenced by the spiritual realm or the spiritual world is up to them. But you're either being influenced by the Spirit of God are by the spirit of the devil. There's only two kingdoms, and that's the the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Both of these operate in the spiritual realm. Even though we have physical world, and there's physical things that goes on, there is a spiritual world behind it that caused all the evil in this world. And his name, the head of that kingdom, is Satan, Lucifer, the devil. There is a a kingdom where the spirit of God rules. It's the kingdom of God. And there's one head that's been appointed by God to be the head of that kingdom on this earth. And his name is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who Amen. is the Messiah. Amen. That's who is in trying to influence the world for good. And so there is a battle that's going on. In fact, one of the things that, that people have the idea or concept of today is that we should just embrace everything and everybody, love everybody, and we should. You know, I come out of the flower power generation, and I've already been there. If you hadn't been there, and I think probably some of you have, I'm not going to tell on you. You know, you was in some of them smoke-filled rooms and, and all that kind of stuff, and it was called uh, there was the, the love one another, you know. And uh, the love power world and all that generation, we found out it didn't work, you know. But... Even in Christianity, let me bring it over to that and bring it into the world. Everybody, you know, you're not supposed to disagree with what anybody's doing, you know, and now they even talk it about, I don't know if you even know this or not, but, you know, they're talking about legalizing pedophilia. Do you know that? Yes. They're they're talking about it and and things like that. And, And they say, well, you're not supposed to oppose this 
because people have the right to do what they want to. They don't have the right to do what they want to when it hurts other people. No, that's right. I don't care what it is, you understand, to that degree and that extent. But there's all kind of things like that that's in the world system that, that even people that are not born again knows it's not right. I mean, they don't have to be born again to know that things like that are not right. But there's all kind of things that's going on. And, and the idea in the world is, the world system is, well, you shouldn't oppose anybody. You shouldn't oppose this situation. You impose that. Like, for instance, homosexuality. You know, there's a big push on in the physical, natural world, the natural realm, to legalize. In fact, some states have legalized this thing. It just made it open and everything. And they say, well, you're not supposed to say anything about that because people have the right to do what they want to do. But I don't know if you know what homosexuals do or not. But I have seen it with my own eyes. Don't make me get graphic. Don't make me get on the TV. Because when you say homosexual, people don't understand that. But there are things that happen that create great diseases. And if you touch hands with somebody that's, I don't want to go too far, that hadn't washed up, you're subject to get a disease from them. Because they do things that are ungodly. I was in prison with a lot of them. And I'm not against anybody. I love everybody. But I don't love what's wrong. And I do have to speak up and say what's right and what's wrong. Now, bringing that from the world into the church, you become very unpopular when you just simply say what the Bible says. Why? Because there's an antichrist spirit that was in the world that's now come inside the church. And this antichrist spirit, now, you couldn't say that. People would cut your head off if you tried to tell them you're yielding to an antichrist spirit. Because if it doesn't agree with the written word of God, then it is antichrist, regardless of what what degree it is. And that antichrist spirit is coming to the church, and and we say that we should love everybody, embrace everybody. And I, I do know that we should walk in love, 1 Corinthians 13, you know, I'm learning to practice that more and more each day and, and love my neighbor as myself and, and lay down my life for others. But that doesn't mean that as a minister of the gospel that I don't speak what the Bible says. I don't attack any human being. I'm not against any person, regardless of what it may seem. I'm not. But that's the first thing you're accused of. Oh, you're not walking in love. You're attacking so-and-so. No, I may speak out against something that is unbiblical, but I'm not attacking an individual that may be unbiblical. Why? Because I don't know it all either. When I grow up, maybe one day when I get to heaven, I will know it all, but I don't know it all. So I'm not against anybody. So the idea comes in the church that came from the world, the Antichrist spirit, that we to be lovey-dovey and live in the flower power age, you know, and love one another and just embrace and accept anything that comes along. But the greatest revelation I believe the church can receive today is Jesus did not come to bring peace. He came to bring a sword. He came to divide. He came to separate good from evil. That's what he came for. Jesus said in the word, he said, I didn't come to bring peace. Isn't that right? I come to bring a sword. Do you know that he came to separate good from evil? Jesus never faced 
nor confront, looked at evil and accepted it or embraced it. He always disagreed with anything that was contrary to the written word of God in his day and anything to do with the plan of God. In fact, he told one religious group of people, you are of your father, the devil. Jesus said that. Jesus went to the temple one day or the synagogue or the church, we would call it in the New Testament era, and he saw what was going on. And he saw that the people that were in the synagogue, which we would call the church, he saw what they were doing or in the temple, and he saw what they were doing was wrong. They were being influenced by the wrong spirit. So what Jesus did is he stopped and he made a whip. Now, if you look up the word whip, because I did, you had to set and you had to make a little strands and put pieces of rope or something together. And many times in that day, they would put little items in there. So when those little strands that came out from this handle hit you, it would cause some bodily harm to you. And then he went into the temple, which was God's house, and he began to take that whip, and he began to whip people. This loving Jesus that we serve went into the temple and started whipping them and telling them, you're ignorant, you're crazy, get out of here. And then he took their tables and flipped them over and scattered things everywhere till he run all of them out of there. What was he doing? He was separating good from evil. So it's not wrong. I'm not saying we go out and make a whip. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm not, I'm not advocating that. But what I'm saying is, is when we think that we should just embrace anything that comes along, that's the spirit of the devil. If it does not agree with the Bible, we are not to accept it. We learn to disagree without being disagreeable. I have friends of mine. I'm talking about good friends of mine that disagree with me on certain issues. And I just simply say to them, like Brother Hagin taught me, that we have to learn to disagree without being disagreeable. However, I couldn't see or understand how they don't know that when they get to heaven, they're going to find out I'm right. <laughs> I, I'm joking. I, I don't know it every, all of it. But simply when you can see it in the Bible, you know what's right and what's wrong. So there is a truth that there is evil in this world. And there is a spiritual world that is trying its best right now to influence the physical world. For instance, the shooting that just happened in Newtown, Connecticut, which was horrible, heart-rending for any person that witnessed what happened. Do you think that God caused that young boy or young man to go into that school and shoot those children and teachers and adults that was in that school? No, he didn't. Then do you think who influenced it? Satan did. Yes, Satan influenced that to happen. Somehow he got thoughts in there. He would say, well, the the person is mentally ill. Well, a lot of people are, are, you know, you can put the claim that this has happened and that happened, but ultimately anything that's evil is from the devil. Everything that's good is from God. Every good gift and every perfect gift comes from where? From the Father of lights, from heaven in whom there's no variable in this neither shadow of turning. In other words, he never changes. 
God is good and he's always looking for good to take place in this earth. So regardless of how you want to put the definition of why it happened or who the individual was that, that committed the crime in Newtown, Connecticut there, then ultimately you've got to come down to it that it was a devil that caused it. It was not God. So there is a spiritual world. And, of course, the, the shooting that took place prior to that and, you know, out there in, uh, what was it, Colorado, where the guy went into thinking that we had college things and, and then Columbine and this all this kind of stuff. Of course, that's just something on a national level. But there's a lot of things that go on right here and come in Georgia right, right. every day, and especially down in Atlanta. A lot of things that are bad, I mean that are wrong, and it's not God doing it. It's not God causing it. There is an evil force called the powers of darkness that's at work in this world. And that's why the church as a whole, even me, I've I've got to learn because I certainly don't know it all, but we've got to concentrate and look at these things and begin to take a different perspective about life itself and how the human being is being influenced by the realm of the Spirit. And if the church does not take its place in prayer and seek God and pray because prayer will drive back the powers of darkness and we can stop these bad things, but if we don't take our place, then the enemy is going to keep encroaching on our nation, on the human race, and you're going to have more and more evil, more violence. In fact, if you was around here, and some of you were, back in 2008 when we prayed out some things about the election, and one of the things that we said and spoke about, I even put it in my newsletter, which is very unpopular now, but I said because of this election, there will be more violence that will take place in the United States of America. And, and it's true. Why? Because when, when you get the powers of darkness, and again, I'm not against a human being, but I am against the powers of darkness. Right. These things happen because of the powers of darkness. And these things have taken place. So there is a real spiritual world. So what we're looking at today is we want to look into this and find out more about what the Bible says about this spiritual realm and how to deal with these situations and circumstances. And uh, we'll read here in the scriptures uh, in Ephesians chapter 6, in verse number 12, the Bible says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places." Notice here, he said, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. In other words, human beings is not necessarily our problems. Even though human beings are involved in it, we're in a wrestling match. We're in opposition against what? Principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. This is talking about demonic powers that are at work in this earth. Now, having said that, I want to go and read something an experience that Dr. Kenneth E. Hagin said that you're familiar with if you've been around here called the vision of the frogs. Anybody remember the vision of the frogs? But I want to read it again because I believe that we don't study again along these lines enough and become aware of how much we need to pray and take our position about praying for this world, praying for our leaders of this nation, our president, our Congress, uh, all of our representatives and our city and county and public officials and all of our state governments uh, and state representatives and senators and so on and so forth. 
We need to pray. We need to believe God. But this is what Jesus Christ revealed to Reverend Kenneth e. Hagin back there. I think it was in this 1970 and 1979. He had two different visions, of course, separate, about things that were going to happen in our nation. But this is in the words of Kenneth e. Hagin. He's, and this is in the book, The Triumphant Church. And it may be in some other recordings, but I know it's in the book, The Triumphant Church. It's called The Vision of the Frogs. It's a big caption. Of course, it's not literal frogs, as you're going to see. He said, I had two very similar and unusual experiences, one in 1970 and the other in 1979, that showed me how real our responsibility is to pray for our nation and for the world. In both visions, I saw three huge black frog-like creatures coming up out of the Atlantic Ocean. They looked like huge frogs, except they were much larger, about the size of whales. Anybody ever seen a whale, a big whale on TV, or how gigantic? He said they looked about the size of whales. This is in the first vision in 1970, I saw these dark beings come up out of the Atlantic, and he's talking about the Atlantic Ocean, and they seemed to leap all the way across the land. In the second vision in 1979, I again saw three frog-like creatures, and one of those creatures came up out of the water and looked like it was about to land on our shores. You need to know how to interpret spiritual visions. Because these creatures came up out of the ocean doesn't mean they came up out of a literal ocean, I mean the Atlantic Ocean he was talking about. It says, from Genesis to Revelation, seas or waters often symbolizes a multitude of people. In the first vision, I knew that the three frog-like creatures leaping across our country meant that three strategies of the devil would arise out of the multitude of peoples against our nation. Remember, we're talking about the spiritual world. So this is a strategy. There is a strategy that Satan has that he has set himself against our nation. He set himself against the church. He set himself against the ministry offices in the body of Christ. He set himself against the ministry of helps. And he set himself against the born-again Christian. The enemy has a strategy. He wants to stop us. The first strategy of Satan would be riots and disturbances. The second would be political upheaval, Watergate as it turned out. Anybody remember the Watergate debacle? And the third, problems in the economic sector of our nation. What would happen? Economic sector problems. Well, we've got all of these things that are going on today and even more. We've got riots, we've got disturbances, and we've got economic situations as long as well as political upheaval that's going on in this nation. You would have to stick your head in the sand and hide to say it's not happening in our nation. It is happening. I said it is going on. What is the cause of it? God is good, so it's not God causing bad things. It is the devil, and the same devil, I'm not saying it's the same spirits, but it's the same type spirits, maybe the same spirits, I don't know, are coming against our nation and coming against the body of Christ. So these evil strategies of the enemy don't arise from the Christian population. They come from the masses of those walking in darkness because sinners are held bondage and dominated by the devil in the kingdom of darkness. Now, that would be a popular statement today. Just walk into a crowd of sinners and say, Hey, don't you know that you held bondage and you're dominated by the devil and you're in the kingdom of darkness? (laughs) Don't try this at home. But this is what it says. You know what I mean? 
People don't know. They're blinded to the fact that there is a real spiritual world. Most people, if you get to looking, especially at the, the Save the World movement, and listen, I am for taking care of our planet, but in the end, this thing's going to be changed. I think we ought to do things in the right way. I'm not against that. But a lot of these people that are naturalist, yeah. they never think about that there is a spiritual world. They call the earth Mother Earth because right. we came from earth. No, we didn't come from the earth. We came from God who created us from the earth. Right. Isn't that right? Amen. So, you know, you get to thinking all that kind of stuff and you get kind of bad thinking. He said in the second vision in 1979, Jesus said to me, if the Christians of this nation had done what I told them to do in my word and had prayed for the leaders of their country, they could have kept those evil spirits you saw in 1970 from operating in this nation. Well, listen, if Jesus said that to him then and it was applicable to that time, it's the same thing is applicable to this time. If the church, the Christians in this nation, the church in this nation had done what I told them to do in my word and prayed for the leaders of their nation, they could have kept those evil spirits from operating this nation. And I'm here to tell you, I stand there again and these same principles are applicable to us today. We should not be in the condition that we're in and this nation should not be in the shape that it's in right now. Why are we in this shape? Because we do not understand the spiritual principles or either pay attention to them like we should. We think that we just go along in life and all the natural world happens. People do things bad because they're just evil anyway. It's just a bad person or, or some kind of mental glitch. No, the powers of darkness is behind the human being that do bad things and unless the church arises and recognizes that these spirits are here to try to stop God's plan and stand up against it in prayer and I'm not talking about yelling and screaming at the devil I'm just talking about prayer because prayer into God produces power that the devil don't want to be around and the church can become more effective in this land than the, the devil if it will stand up And I'm preaching to me. I'm not preaching to you. I'm preaching to me too because I'm stirred up. In fact, when we get to Florida, I'm planning on stirring up a lot of preachers down there. Oh, I'm I'm planning on stirring up a lot of preachers, you know, to get them praying and believing God, you know, because I want to see people born again, filled with the Holy Ghost, healed in their bodies. In fact, I was talking to our office about this just the, the other day, a few days ago, you know, about our focus. We want to get more people born again. You know, more people feel the Holy Ghost, but the only way we're going to do it is to pray and seek God to drive back the powers of darkness where the people will have sense enough to know they need God. There's a lot of people in this nation that don't even know they need God. And many people today, you know, are making what I would call, and Brother Hagin used to call, a mental acceptance or agreement that Jesus Christ is Lord, but they never personally accept him as their Savior, and so they never get what you call born again. In fact, we got a brand new book out right now. It's called, uh, what, what did I title that new book? Christian Life. The Christian Life. But the subtitle is this, What It Means to Be a Christian. It's called The Christian Life, What It Means to Be a Christian. You go to rgm.me and you can get it as an EPUB, ebook, or you can get it through, work on Kindle, iPad, any of that, or you can get the hard copy by just ordering it right from our website. It's already been printed at the office. Of course, we'll have it in, in Florida. They got it in there and they've got cases of them sitting there on the floor. Why did we write the book? Because it seemed like that Christianity was getting out of balance. 
But the bottom line, you know, in the book we talk about what it means to be Christian. There's a lot of definitions of the Christian life and what it means to be a Christian in the world today. But do you know the Bible only has one definition of what it means to be a Christian? And because that definition has been lost, then now many people have the concept of what being a Christian is because this one's got this idea, this one's got this idea, this one says this idea, but the Bible only has one definition of a Christian. Where'd it come from? Jesus Christ. Where'd that come from in John chapter 3? Jesus said, you must be born again. So what is a Christian? A Christian is one who has been born again by confessing Jesus Christ as their Lord with their mouth and believing in their heart that God has raised him from the dead and they have a behavioral change that agrees with the Bible. If there's not a behavioral change that agrees with the Bible, and that's unpopular today, but if you don't have a behavioral change that agrees with the Bible, you read James chapter 2. James made it very clear. Faith without works is dead. If you say you believe in Christ, then you better act like you believe in Christ or your faith is dead. Amen. Faith without works is dead. So there has to be corresponding actions that goes along with a confession, if, if that's true. And so the only definition you find in the books about that, it talks about me, Ted, the, the first-degree murderer, and how his life changed. It talks about Robert, even the homosexual pedophile. I go in there and talk about his life and how he changed. Talk about uh, Jay, the Hindu Brahmin priest, and how Jesus Christ appeared to him, and the devil's left out of him, and his life changed immediately. When I got born again, my life changed immediately, within 10 minutes. I was on my third escape from prison. Got a full pardon today, thank God. But I was on my third escape from prison, driving down the road in Galveston, Texas, and within 10 minutes after confessing Jesus my Lord and being born again, the power of God flowing through me, I turned myself into a police officer. You're talking about somebody that was out of their mind. I was out of their mind, my mind. I was facing life without the possibility of parole, but I lost my mind, and I got the mind of Christ. Of course, I stand here today, and I have a full pardon from the government, full pardon. All my crimes and been washed away just like in the ink of the government like my sins have been washed away in the blood of the Lamb, the Lord Jesus Christ. So there is an evil force that's at work in this world. And we can stop these evil spirits from operating. Said Brother Randy, how can we stop them now? Because if we pray and believe God, we can stop these evil spirits. How do we do it? We'll pray. We'll talk about that more in a minute. First thing you got to do, and this is what I'm talking about this morning, is we need to recognize and understand that there is a real spiritual world. This is not just a natural physical world. And Mother Earth is not our mother. Amen. God is our Father. Hallelujah. You understand? Amen. He said, Jesus went on to say to Brother Hagin, none of those upheavals would have occurred in your nation and you would not have had the political, social, and economic disturbances in this nation. And the president never would have made the mistakes he made. In fact, I'm holding the church responsible for the president's mistakes. Now that seems like that that would be wrong for the Lord to do that. But this is a direct quote from Dr. Kennedy Hagin that Jesus told him. And either Brother Hagin, and certainly I don't want to call Dad Hagin a liar, but either he's the biggest liar that ever hit this planet and he bursted hell wide open according to the Bible because all liars are going to have their place in the lake of fire. Lord, forgive us of our sins in Jesus' name. 
All liars going to replace. Either he told the truth, and Jesus told him that he was holding the church responsible for the president's mistakes, and either that is true, or this the biggest lie that ever hit this planet. I believe personally that it is true, and I believe that we do have the authority to make decisions about what happens in this country and stop evil from going on, even even from the presidential office. Amen. The church has that authority because things are influenced by the spiritual world. When Dan Hagee goes on to say, when I heard Jesus say that, because he heard him say that to him, I cried out, Dan Hagee said, my God, and began to weep. You know what weeping is? He started crying, weeping. Oh, my God. He realized how he had missed it because he'd probably been one that hadn't prayed like he should or thought he did anyway. Jesus continued, yes, The church is responsible before God Almighty. I know when you tell that to some Christians, they will laugh. But you wait until they stand before my judgment seat. Lord, forgive us. And see if they laugh when they are the ones who will receive the judgment. In other words, we're going to be judged at the judgment seat of Christ. We're going to be judged. Who is? The Christian. This is not talking about the world or people that don't know God. We're going to all appear appear before the judgment seat of Christ and we're going to be judged as to whether we took our place in prayer and prayed for our nation and drove back the powers of darkness that were trying to hinder the plan of God. We're not against people. We're not attacking people. People are not our problem. How do we know? Paul said so. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. Right. Of course, we do. I have been guilty. I'm not going to lie to you. of getting upset with people and decided I'll just help God out here. But, but that's, not the, that's not what's going to change things. What's going to change things is when we understand that people are being influenced by these wicked spirits that Paul talked about in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. And until we take our place in prayer, these things are going to prevail and they're going to cause havoc in our nation. But it's not too late. Amen. It's not too late. A spirit, I'm telling you, a spirit of hopelessness came upon this nation. It did. In the November 2012 election, for this next presidential term, many people begin to get lose hope, give up, and say it's over, even in the church world. And, and we can take that attitude, and we can just say, well, it's over. You know, we might as well give up. We might as well quit. But we can't find that in the Bible. I can't find chapter and verse for it. I mean, I, I tried to find it. I tried to look for it, but I couldn't. Everything I read about the Lord is that we're going to overcome that we are the head and not the tail. Try the spirits. Know whether they are of God or not. Take authority over the devil. Whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth is loosed in heaven. Upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. But if we believe that they can, then they will. And so what the enemy is trying to do with all the opposition, all the confusion, all the frustration, all the economic problems and political problems and social problems and riots and tumults and disturbances, he's trying to take all of those things combined and throw them at us and say, see, it's not working, it's not working, it's not working. Yes, God's word always works for those who work it. 
when we obey the Bible, the devil has got to stop in his tracks. The devil has been defeated, but he's only defeated to the extent that we enforce it. Jesus Christ defeated the devil, so scripturally, legally, the devil is defeated. Experientially, we may not be experiencing that. Why? Because we do not take our place. Jesus said here to Brother Hagin that he was holding the church responsible and they would be judged at his judgment seat when they stood there. Lord, forgive me already. I'm going to repent already. My God, forgive me. Somebody said, I don't believe in repenting. I don't think you got to repent. Well, you just, that's fine for you and everything, but I'm going to repent. Said, what if you're wrong, Brother Randy, when you get there? Well, he can tell me I was wrong, but at least I'm going to be sliding in on the safe side. Amen. I ask you, Lord, to forgive me. I'll humble myself under the mighty hand of God. And if you read James chapter 4, he talked about to be remorseful. In fact, I, I wrote in the, the, the book called The Christian Life, I wrote in that book there that initial remorse for sin is healthy. Because you know, you know that you know the difference between right and wrong. When you don't know that you have sinned, you are in a heap of trouble. I'm telling you. And it's not God condemning you. The law of God is written in your heart when you're born again. Your own spirit that's been born again knows what's right and wrong. Isn't that right? So it's not God trying to condemn us. So initial remorse for sin is healthy. Now, after you confess your sin and ask God to forgive you, then remorse for that sin and dread for that sin is unhealthy because you've got to forgive yourself. Brother Hagin said that the biggest problem he ever had, and it's probably all of our problem, I know it's been mine, is to forgive myself of what I know that I've already asked the Lord to forgive me of and put it behind me. The enemy will constantly try to bring up something and remind you of something, and then your own brain will get involved in it. But a lot of times the old devil's just hanging around trying to put a picture in your mind of something. But you've got to learn, yes, initial remorse for sin is healthy because it proves you are born again. It proves you know right from wrong. It knows. It proves you know good from evil. It proves that you know what the Word of God says is. But after you confess that sin and ask God to forgive you of that sin, then you should not sit there. It's wrong then to sit there and say, oh, I'm no good, I'm low down, I'm unrighteous. No, I'm un-. no you've got to forget that. Amen. Forgive yourself. Amen. So... That book brings out all that thing. So like I said, you can get it at rgm.me and you can download it instantly. Just don't hit the wrong button. It may upload you. I don't know all these things they got, but you get it for Kindle, book readers, EPUBs, iPads, iBooks, whatever. They, uh, Chris has got all that put up there or you can get the hard copy by either uh, ordering it right off online or you can call our office and they'll get it right out to you. He said... Uh, I said, I know when you tell that, this is Jesus' words. He said, yes, the church is responsible for God Almighty. He's talking about responsible for not praying and for the president's mistakes. I know when you tell that to some Christians, they will laugh. But you wait until they stand before my judgment seat and see if they laugh when they are the ones who will receive the judgment. Now, what I would ask myself is, in just thinking about this, just if you want to be analytical, is this statement true? Or is Brother Hagin the biggest kook that ever hit the planet? Was he false? Did he not really see Jesus? Did Jesus not really say this to him? When you examine that, well, when I examine it, I believed in Dad Hagin. I believed in Brother Hagin. I believe that Jesus appeared to him. And I also believe that this statement is true. 
also believe that Jesus meant what he said right here. And even though I have not been perfect at this, forgive me for my imperfection. And yes, I'm going to confess it and say, Lord, forgive me and forget it and put it behind me. You know what I mean? And go on because I want to be on the safe side. But if it is true, and this statement is true, and Jesus really did say that to him, it's a sobering thought to think that not very long from now, and I'm not getting up a load today, but I mean when you think about life in general, you know, that we're going to all stand before the Lord in the church. I'm not not talking about the the judgment throne of God. I'm not talking about that, what they call that, the great... Great white throne judgment. I'm talking about the judgment seat of Christ, and that's what he's talking about here. He said Christians are going to be held accountable. They're going to be judged as to what they did about praying for this nation. And again, I believe this, and I don't say this to criticize you or anybody else, but I believe the reason that we don't pray more is we don't realize we should pray. I I give people the benefit of the doubt. We don't realize how real the spiritual world is. And that's what this vision was all about. That's what this revelation was all about. Because I really believe that Christians understood this and got a revelation of it. I mean, not just a head knowledge, but a revelation of it. They would be driven, you know what I'm talking about, compelled be a better word to say, to pray more and take their place in the spirit and pray about these things. Jesus was saying, this is Brother Hagin going on to talk, Jesus was saying that Christians could have stopped those evil strategies of the devil by taking their place in prayer based on the word of God. He said they could have stopped the evil strategies of Satan. If they could have stopped them in 70 and 79, we can stop them in this year of 2013. That's right. If they could have stopped them then, we can stop them now. If we just take our place in prayer based on the word of God. Christians have authority on the earth in Jesus' name. I don't think we've understood that either. I mean, Brother Hagin's got a book called The Believer's Authority, which would be a good book and a good read for anybody and to get that revelation. But I don't believe in this era that we live in, this generation and time and season we live in, that we really have a good revelation of the believer's authority on this planet and how much power and authority we have to make choices and decisions that will affect our nation. America says uh, Christians have authority on the earth in Jesus' name. And if Christians had prayed for those in authority... America would not have had the riots or the political and economic upheavals we have experienced in our nation in the 1970s. Well, I believe that if they could have prayed then, we can pray now. And we've seen things change right here. Some of you have been right here when we prayed out things and we've seen things happen as early as the next day. Prayed them right here. God showed them to us and they happened. Some happened a few days later. Some happened a few weeks later. One time, one thing happened a week. I think we prayed one thing on a Friday and it happened the next Friday. I mean, it was amazing how those things happened. And it was supernatural. It was not because we had any natural knowledge of any of this or had been studying along that line or even looking for this, but just seeking God in prayer. God began to reveal to us things to say, things to declare, things to pray. And then it come to pass just like we prayed. That's why it's important to pray. 
because in prayers, when God begins to reveal to us design, divine secrets yeah. that we have no way of knowing any yeah. other way. That's right. So in this vision in 1979, I saw those other frogs about to land on our shores again. And Jesus said to me, you can see that three similar evil strategies of the devil are about to happen again in this nation. First, unless Christians pray, there will arise another time of riots. Have we had that recently? And tumults and disturbances. Have we had those recently? Just had a shooting up there. All across the nation, coming from different causes than the disturbances of the early 1970s. So there's going to be different causes than from the earlier vision it had. Second, he said, something is about to happen to your president that should not happen and will not happen if Christians will pray and take authority over the devil's strategies and bind his works in my name. And third, unless Christians pray, there is something about to happen that will bring further trouble in the economic scene and in the financial structure of this nation. Jesus concluded, once again, Christians can stop all three of these strategies of the devil against this nation. They can stop the upheaval through riots, tumults, and disturbances in the social structure. Remember our social world and what's happening. They can stop the upheaval and the activity of the devil in the political scene of their nation. And they can stop the devil from disrupting the financial scene of their nation. Many Christians did pray. He's talking about back then. Back then, and the plan of the enemy was greatly averted and thwarted. Because Christians stood in their place of authority in Jesus' name and began to pray and exercise their authority of the devil, God intervened on our behalf. I'm here to tell you that same God that intervened in that day is the same Amen. God that will intervene in this day. Amen. There is nothing that's going to change this nation. There's nothing that's going to change our whole social structure of this nation or the spiritual scene of this nation except prayer. There's no other thing. We look in the, as a, in the natural and in, in the last election to bring change. The natural did not bring change. I think even myself, I focus too much on the natural. I look too much on the natural. Uh, in fact, all your political uh, uh, people that estimate who's going to be the next president, many of them even were shocked when the election went the way it did and, and what happened. And I'm not attacking anybody. I'm just telling you, they all and many of the economic advisors believed that the way this nation went, was headed in the last four years was not going to be good if we put it in the same direction for the next four years. In fact, they were predicting that it would get worse. And so many, many, many people wanted it to go in a different direction in the natural. But the natural alone is not what's going to bring change. According to the words of Jesus, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but it's against uh, principalities and powers and the rulers of the darkness of this world. And so there is opposition that is going on in the realm of the spirit, but we can bring change by taking our place. What did Jesus say again? This is what Jesus said. He gives us some strategies here that we should do. He said, if Christians will pray. So the first thing we got to do, number one, is we got to pray. That's it. Just simple. Pray. What do you pray? Just pray. Say, Lord, we need your help. 
Our nation's messed up. Lord, political agenda in our nation. Political things in our nation. I mean, this one don't agree with that one. This uh, uh, Senate don't agree with the House of Representatives and, and some things I'm not saying they should agree on. Don't get me wrong. But anyway, all this going on. Then we have the, the disturbances and the social uh, arena and all these things that are going on. Father, we need your help. So the first thing you got to do is simply pray. Pray. And he said, after you pray, and then he said, take authority over the devil's strategies and bind his works in my name. Satan, in the name of Jesus, the way you do this, Satan, I bind your works and command you to take your hands off the political scene of our nation, the social scene of our nation, the economic scene of our nation, and the spiritual scene of our nation. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth, I command you to take your hands off of it and loose it let it go. I bind you now in Jesus' name. Why? Because Jesus said so. Now, that don't mean I stand there and scream at the devil for 45 hours. I bind him. Now, also, I pray with my understanding as much as I know. And if you was here yesterday morning, I was impressed to pray for uh, Representative John Boehner because he he heads up the Republican uh, uh, House of Representatives. He kind of sets the agenda for what they're going to do or supposed to. And then I, I was uh, led to pray for Senator Harry Reid. Uh, it sets the agenda for the Democratic Party, if you remember. And I prayed for him specifically. And I prayed for all of them, but I prayed for them because they kind of set the agenda. And I was led by the Lord to do that. I don't do that just to do it. The Lord led me. Then, of course, I called out President Obama. And I prayed for him. I'm not attacking him. I want him to make the right choices and right decisions. I realize, even though it's not popular for me to say this, I must say it. He is being influenced by the powers of darkness. But it's not all his fault. It's the fault of the church. There's congressmen up there, which is senators and House of Representatives on the federal level, that are being influenced by the powers of darkness. But it's not all their fault. It's because the church has not taken its place in prayer. How do you know? Jesus specifically stated this. So I could just attack Mr. Obama, President Obama, all I wanted to. But that's not going to change things. I could get on the talk shows like the rest of them do and and point out all his faults and and how he's doing this. And I'm not saying that some things shouldn't be challenged. I'm not saying that. And, and, you know, you can point out things uh, all day long until you move to the next realm. But it's not going to change anything. The only thing that's going to change the situation is prayer if the Bible is true. The Bible is true. Pastor Harris just said so. So the Bible is true. Confirmation, amen. Can I get a witness, amen? The Bible is true. And so we're not against, I'm not attacking President Obama when I say that. But many accuse me of that. And I, I, you don't mind because I know that they, just, you know, I'm not attacking him. But if you can't perceive, I'm not attacking him. I'm just saying he's been influenced by an evil spirit uh, that many in the Congress, which is a House of Representatives, and the senators uh, are being influenced by the powers of darkness. But it's not all their fault. In fact, if we get right down to it, if we want to step up to the lick log, as Brother Hagin would say, it's our fault. When I say our fault, it's the church's fault because we have authority in this area or Jesus did not tell the truth. So I'm not attacking uh, Senator Harry Reid or or Representative John Boehner. I'm not attacking the Democratic Party or the Republican Party even though I disagree with things and I'm going to say I disagree. 
with certain situations and circumstances, but just attacking a person is not going to change the situation. Pointing out somebody's problems and, and what I disagree with, according to what I understand in the written word of God, is not going to change the problem. The only thing that's going to change things is what? Prayer. So the first thing we do is pray. The second thing we do is we bind the evil strategies of Satan. That's what we do. And we command them to take their hands off this economic scene and our social scene and the political scene of our nation. And when we do this, we're going to see a supernatural change that will take place in this nation that the devil cannot stop in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Turn to Daniel chapter 10 right quick. Daniel chapter 10. Again, we're just talking about that there's a real spiritual world. And seeing what the Bible says. We wish we had more light in this area, but we don't. We just have to go with what we have. In Daniel chapter 10... We have an experience here where Daniel was praying and seeking the Lord. And it says in Daniel chapter 10, verse number 2, he said, In those days I, Daniel, was mourning three full weeks. He said, I ate no pleasant bread, neither came flesh nor wine in my mouth, neither did I anoint myself at all, till three whole weeks were fulfilled. In other words, he was praying and seeking God for three weeks, or what we would say 21 days is what we understand here, a week being seven days. Notice here, he was doing a partial fast. He went on a full fast. He was on a partial fast. He had set himself to seek the Lord. That's what he was doing. Amen? And then, after he had been praying for those 21 days, he said here, we'll start in verse 10. And behold, this is Daniel 10.10, and behold, a hand touched me, which set me upon my knees and upon the palms of my hands. And he said unto me, O Daniel, a man greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak unto thee, and stand upright, for unto thee am I now sent. And when he had spoken this word unto me, I stood trembling. Then said he unto me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day, notice, First day, first day, first day. Now, this is the 21st day. But from the first day that Daniel had prayed that thou didst set thine heart to understand and to chasten or seek thyself, seek God for thyself, thy words were heard and I am come from thy, for thy words. That make, makes me understand that because Daniel stood and God heard his prayer the first day, but it was 21 days actual. I don't know exactly how you'd figure all that up, but it was 21, the 21st day is when the angel showed up and came to answer his prayer and said, from the first day that you prayed, he said, the answer was sent. God heard your prayer. So that means that all things we pray is not always instantaneously answered. And it's not because God is trying to stop the answer. Here we see the first day his prayer was answered, but in the natural it didn't seem like it. Daniel didn't know that. Daniel had to stay in that place of prayer. And so when we're praying for a nation, 
We're praying for the body of Christ. We're praying for other individuals and saints all across the, the, the world. Then don't be discouraged because your prayer, you don't hear something the very first day. I call it perseverance in prayer. You just got to stay with it. Daniel stayed with it. What if it had quit praying on the 20th day, the 19th day? What if he decided on the morning of the 21st before this angel appeared to him that he was going to stop praying? He's going to give up. God hadn't heard me. Well, that's exactly what the enemy wants to do. And probably, I'm just guesstimating. Can I guesstimate a little bit? Daniel's probably just as human, was just as human as any of us. And while he was praying, he might have been wondering, I wonder if God heard me. You know, I've been here a while. I'm seeking God, but I'm not going to quit. I'm just going to stand here by faith. I'm going to pray by faith. I'm going to seek God by faith. So from the first day, God heard his prayer. He said, thy words were heard in the latter part of verse 20. Thy words were heard and I am come for thy words. Notice, why did the angel come? He came because of Daniel's words. Would he have came if Daniel had not prayed some words? No. He said, I came because of your words. Because of your words. Can your words bring God on the scene? According to the word of God, they can. And when all of us pool our prayers together, then we can actually accomplish even more. But notice what happened. The first day, God heard him because it says so. The words were heard from the first day. It said, and I've come for your words because you prayed, I came. And Daniel was just one man, right? One man. And one woman. God will answer your prayer. Verse 13. He said, but he gives us a little insight here and a glimpse into the spiritual world. And that's what I wanted to point this out for. Verse 13. says, but the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me one and twenty days. But lo, Michael... One of the chief princes came to help me and I remained there with the kings of Persia. So he talked about the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me. Notice that phrase. The prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me. Now would this prince of Persia that he's talking about, the kingdom of Persia, this prince, would that be a godly being? How do you know? Because he was trying to stop Daniel from getting the answer to his prayer. God's not trying to stop you from hearing him. So we know that this kingdom of Persia had something to do with a spirit being that operated in the kingdom of darkness. Isn't that right? So this kingdom of Persia was of the devil. He was of satanic origin. And he was trying to hinder the plan of God and hinder Daniel's prayer. But guess what? Because he got help, this angel got help. He was able to get through that spiritual darkness where these rulers of the darkness are at up there in the spirit world. And he came through the Daniel with an answer. Well, if the angel showed up in Daniel's day, the angels can show up in our day. If God showed up to help Daniel in his day, he can show up to help us in our day. So it's not a time to be discouraged. It's a time to learn that there is a real spiritual world and that we need to preach and teach and talk and study about this. In fact, I've got more scriptures along this line, but I'm not going to go into them this morning because it would take... 
too much time. But you can go into the book of Ezekiel. What is that? Ezekiel 28 or somewhere? Yeah, Ezekiel 28 later. Just read that for yourselves. And you can see also these two kingdoms represented in this particular passage of Scripture. In Ezekiel chapter 28, you'll see it's talking about the, the prince of Tyrus and then he talks about the king of Tyrus. And you'll see that there, one of them is a natural physical man and the other is a spirit being. This is exactly what it talks about. And you can get Revelation in Ezekiel 28 comparable to what's here in Daniel chapter 10. So we got just little glimpses of light into the spirit world and we do know that the church has authority in this world so we can take authority over the powers of darkness and we can bring change. In fact, according to what Jesus Christ said to Dr. Kennethy Hagen, there will no change take place. There will be no change take place unless the church takes its place in prayer. We can blame the world. We can blame the ungodly. We can blame the sinner. We can blame the president. We can blame the Democratic Party. We can blame the Republican Party. We can blame the laws and the rules and regulations. When it comes right down to it, it's up to us. And ultimately, the church is responsible for what goes on in this nation. And I say that to a degree. I believe there's certain things that's going to happen because it says in the book of Revelation it's going to take place that's just been decreed by God. But some of those things, I don't believe it's time for them to happen yet. And it's time for people to come in. In fact, every person of the uh, old-time persuasion of Pentecost that was balanced and knew God, all prophesied, all declared by God, declaring this was God, that before the rapture of the church would take place, there would be an outpouring of the Spirit of God where multiple millions, maybe ain't no telling like billion, I don't know people, I don't want to put a number on it, would come to God and it would be the greatest outpouring that the world our church had ever seen or known. All of them prophesied it. Well, if they did, where's it at? Well, guess what? The devil heard them prophecies Uh, too. Uh Don't you think that it would be a strategy of his? Say, I'm going to stop this because he knows the times is short and he knows if this takes place, that's another day on the calendar that is shorter for him and it won't be long to his demise is over. So he's going to do everything he can to hinder it to stop it and hold it back. But guess what? The church is going to arise in this day and do everything they can to see, by taking their place in prayer, to see that it comes to pass. Prayer is simply getting in agreement with God. That's simply what we're doing. So let's do that this morning. We want to get in agreement with God. We don't want to try to tell God what to do in a sense. We're just reminding Him... I know you were blessed by this message. If you would like to receive more information about Randall Greer Ministries, or if you'd like to receive our free newsletter, just let us know. We'd be happy to send it to you. Just write us at Randall Greer Ministries, P.O. Box 2227, Owasso, Oklahoma 74055. Or you can contact us at our website, www.rgm.me. And remember... God is always with us.